0: What does God really care about? Notice, God wants a people for himself that he may be their God. That's what God cares about. It sounds so simplistic, but it's not simplistic, but it is simplistic. It's like when a man gets married to a woman. He stands before God and before his friend and says, I want you to be my people, and I want to be your people. We're going to be in this thing together. And in the same way, all God wants is he wants relationship.
1: Is God's primary motivation for loving you based on what you can do? It might seem that way to some people. They see a list of rules and regulations as something they can follow, a contribution they need to make to be saved. But that's not what God wants. It's not who he is. Pastor Daniel will tell you today all about the relationship God wants with you. You don't have to do a thing to earn it. He wants to know you as you are right now. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 29, as he continues his message, Time to Renew. Jesus is real.
0: True faith has feet on it. It's lived out. It's not enough just to know the word. Faith without works is what? it's dead. That's why we know it that way. See, we don't get saved by the works. We always have to make sure, the apostle Paul wrote lots of letters to make sure we realize your works don't save you, but we have a faith that works. We don't do things so that God is happy with us. God is happy with us and we respond to God's joy and relationship by living a certain way. And our faith is not devoid from the way that we live. Our faith actually is the motor or the engine that drives how we live. And because of your faith in Jesus, your life is supposed to be different. You have a different set of values. You have a different set of things that you care about. The economics of your heart and your relationships function differently. Why? Because the foundation of who you are is grace and mercy even though you didn't deserve it. And so you move into every situation and you say, I did not deserve the grace that I am experiencing, and because I don't deserve it, I'm gonna treat people in ways that they don't deserve. And it's a totally different way to live. So we have to make sure that we are not making the mistake of being people who hear the word and don't do it. That we're not making the mistake of being people who know what it says, but we are like, do as I say, not as I do. Because God wants our faith to be lived out in real time. That God may be glorified and the world may be blessed. Now in verse 10 it says, All of you stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders and your tribes, and your elders, and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today. Verse 13, that he may establish you today as a people for himself, and that he has spoken to you, and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, Jacob, I make a covenant and this oath not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. For you know that we dwelt in the land of Egypt and that we came through the nations which you passed by and you saw their abominations and their idols, which were among them wood, stone, and silver, and gold, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord your God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root-bearing bitterness or wormwood. And so it may not happen that he hears the words of this curse, that he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, even though I follow the dictates of my heart as though I was a drunkard, could be included with the sober. The Lord would not spare him, for then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man. And every curse that is written in the book would settle on him, and the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity concerning all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. So really what we find here is that first God reminds them that they're all involved in this covenant. Notice who it's being addressed to. He's saying your leaders, your tribes, verse 10, your elders, your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp. So he's saying, this covenant is being made with everybody who is there, no matter where their office or space in life is. So this is a covenant that God is making with this whole community, and this whole community is full of all these different individuals. Notice it says in verse 12, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as a people for himself and that he may be a God to you just as he has spoken to you and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does God really care about? Notice, God wants a people for himself that he may be their God. That's what God cares about. It sounds so simplistic, but it's not simplistic, but it is simplistic. It's like when a man gets married to a woman. He stands before God and before his friend and says, I want you to be my people. And I wanna be your people. We're gonna be in this thing together. And in the same way, all God wants is he wants relationship. He wants a people who are his own. And he wants to be able to be their God. And this covenant of being God to his own special people is a covenant that God had already made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He said, look, this is my plan. I am going to be a God to you and you guys will be my people and we will walk in relationship. That is why Jesus died and rose again, my friends. Because God wants to have a relationship with you. I said it this past weekend, God is the most relational person you will ever meet. God is the most extroverted, gregarious people person you've ever met in your entire life. No matter what time or mood you're in, if you talk to God, he'll talk. He's not like, listen, I didn't get my morning coffee. I had a rough night because all your brothers and sisters kept me up all night complaining about this and asking for a car and all this, like, he's not like that. He loves it when we say, Abba, Father, help. And this is what God is interested in. God is interested in a group of people who are his own that he could be their God. He just wants relationship. It's so beautiful. Now, you have to always remember, God's desire for relationship is not based in deficiency. This is important. Because when you start talking about the fact that God desires relationship, a lot of us know what it's like where we feel deficient so we only feel whole when we're in relationship. God's relational nature is not like human feelings of deficiency. God's relational nature is fueled by his all sufficiency. He doesn't need us, but we need him. And don't ever think that, like, you know, when it talks about God's jealousy, I'll never forget, I, I heard an interview um, with Oprah Winfrey, and she was talking about her upbringing and why she's no longer a follower of the Bible. And she said, well, I really don't like these passages about God being jealous. I just thought to myself, well, if he was really God, he wouldn't be jealous. That's in this passage, isn't it, where it talks about God's bringing these curses and his jealousy on the people. And I started thinking about that, and I'm like, oh, Okay, that's an interesting thing. And I started thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what did Oprah get wrong? And I'm like, oh, when she thinks of jealousy, she thinks of the self-centered, jealous boyfriend. If you have a boyfriend or a significant other who's always jealous all the time, really what it is is they don't trust you, and really it just shows their own insecurities See, but God's jealousy is not rooted in insecurity or deficiency. God's jealousy is rooted in his intense love and desire to bless. See, God is jealous that you can experience all that God has for you in life because God loves you that much. And he doesn't need you to experience it. But God is jealous for you so much so that when you are not experiencing it, it breaks his heart. But not because he needs you to need him, but because you need him to be whole. So God's jealousy is not rooted in deficiency or insecurity. His jealousy is rooted in self-sacrificial love and all sufficiency. And that's why God cares. So don't think, because sometimes you're like, man, well, God's real needy. You know what I mean? Like, God's going to be real upset with me because I don't talk to him all day long. And he's not, like, insecure about who he is. His relational nature is built on the overflow of who he is on his all sufficiency. Now, what's interesting, as you move on from this, he reminds them not only is he making the covenant with them, but all the people who are gonna be coming after them. So the idea of this is not only for you standing here today, but everyone who's gonna come, everyone who's gonna be coming forward. And he reminds them there were people who were before you, now there's gonna be people coming after you. But right away, he moves into a warning about those who would make people stumble. Because listen, if the root of the covenant is God wants a people and he wants to be their God, then idolatry becomes a huge problem, doesn't it? Because they walk through all these nations, there are all these different gods and ways to worship and all these different ideas, and so right away he jumps on in, because he says in verse 17, and you saw their abominations and their idols, which were among them wood and stone and silver and gold, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord your God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. So now, because this covenant is about God having a people, he's saying, but what I am concerned about is that there's gonna be people, whether it's an individual or a family or an entire tribe, who is going to start worshiping other gods and draw people away. So God is concerned with the, for lack of a simpler word, the fidelity of the covenant, the faithfulness of the covenant. To use the marriage analogy, which obviously runs all through the scriptures, God is concerned that after this marriage is made, people's eyes and hearts are going to stray towards people other than their spouse. And no doubt, you read the Bible, what happens? The children of Israel are seduced by the gods of other nations. Even though God said, look, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people and I'm going to bless you, I've blessed you in the past, the people's hearts are bent on idolatry. They're bent on rebellion. You know. And when you read this kind of stuff, you always got to ask yourself this question, am I a person who is leading people astray? the way that I live, the things that I do, the way that I talk. Is my testimony one of drawing people closer or is my testimony one of pushing people away? Because Jesus did say that for the person who causes one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better if he had a millstone hung around his neck and he was thrown in the ocean. Now, the millstone isn't like a little diamond pendant. It was like a big old boulder. It was meant to drown somebody somebody having a millstone, it's like you got a hundred pound boulder that he ties around your neck so that you sink to the bottom of the sea of Galilee. This is about you being killed. That's the idea. And you got to ask yourself because each one of us has influence on people. And is your testimony of drawing people closer or is your testimony about drawing people away? Now, I think what's interesting is some of the ways this characterized. First, It's about serving the other gods of the nations. So to quote one of my favorite American theologians, Bob Dylan, everybody serves somebody, right? And so everybody serves someone, right? And so which God are you serving? Everybody serves someone. Next, when somebody chooses to serve another God, at the end of verse 18, it's called that there may not be among you a root-bearing bitterness or wormwood. The idea is that a root-bearing bitterness or wormwood, that there is bitterness in the root that chokes out all the fruitfulness. A person in the midst of a group of people who is serving other gods ends up poisoning the entire plant. That it moves through. And again, it's a good reminder. uh, I think it's Jim Rohn who said it is that, you know, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That each one of us becomes the sum total of our five closest friends. We average in who our friends are. And the idea is this, is that whatever is the influences in your life, that is going to impact who you are. And for the idea of apostasy, obviously it's seen as a root of bitterness Not only that, as he continues to go on down, the way of the person who is bent on rebellion, notice it says this, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart. My friends, I'll put it to you this way. I love saying this. I never get tired of saying this. Do not follow your heart. Follow Jesus and lead your heart. Our quote says, follow your heart. Wrong. Your Bible teaches that your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, who can know it? The Lord of hosts knows it. That's how that verse goes. See, do not follow your heart. Your heart is your own personal Judas. And you don't even need me to explain that to you, because you look at the times when you followed your heart instead of following Jesus, and where did it land, the times that you just say, my heart told me to do this, and I didn't matter what Jesus thought, I just did it. You tell me how it went, because all I ever hear is that when I make decisions, I followed my heart, and I neglected Jesus, it ends up in a place you don't want to be. So stop following your heart. Don't follow your heart. You follow Jesus, and you lead your heart. Because what Jesus wants to do is he wants to focus the vision of our hearts on him. We don't follow our hearts. We follow the Lord. Your heart is designed to follow Jesus. And I think for some of you here right now, you are following your heart. And you know that what I'm saying is true. And you know you're playing with fire. And if that's you, you just got to turn. That word repent. You change your mind, which leads to a change of action. Don't follow your heart your heart will screw it all up. Isn't it true? It messes it up. It's messed up by design. But following Jesus, and poor seed, what this guy does is he thinks, look, he's like, I'm going to have peace. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm like the drunk guy thinking I'm just like the sober guy. And the answer is no. You're drunk. That's the problem. It's all messed up here. No, look, What's unfortunate about all of this is we see what God's feelings are towards this. Notice what it says in verse 20. The Lord would not spare him, for then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man, and every curse that is written in this book would settle on him, and the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven, and the Lord would separate him from the tribes of Israel for adversity according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in the book of this law. We just did this whole three- or four-part message on blessings and curses. We saw a few blessings, lots of curses, and I made the point, if you're gonna choose one of these, which one you want, everyone wants the blessings, so you gotta make decisions so you experience the blessings. But this guy, who doesn't wanna follow the Lord, he's gonna get the curses, and it's gonna go bad, bad, B-A-D, nasty. It's not good. So don't be that guy. Don't be the knucklehead. That's what this is teaching. Okay, verse 22, so that... The coming generation of your children who rise up after you and the foreigner who comes from a far land would say when they see the plagues of that land and the sickness which the Lord has laid on it the whole land is brimstone salt and burning it is not sown nor does it bear nor does any grass grow there like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah Adma and Zeboim which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath all nations would say why has the Lord done this to this land what does the heat of this great anger mean? Then the people would say, verse 25, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods that they did not know and that he did not give to them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against that land to bring on it every curse that is written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger, in wrath, and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is to this day now you see what goes on here what is god also concerned about he's also concerned about the witness and testimony of the people who abandoned the covenant he's saying look if you guys go the way of rebellion all these other nations are going to say what happened to these people and like we're seeing it as we're studying the book of Daniel they're in Babylon why because they abandoned the covenant and everybody be like well who's the god is going to deliver you cuz your god didn't deliver you from my hand so you're stuck see you all just like the children of Israel you live out loud you live out loud And people know, and the surrounding nations knew about what God had done in Egypt. There was a testimony. Remember when they were traveling through the wilderness? All the nations were freaked out because they heard the stories of the children of Israel and the plagues of Egypt and what God did. And they're like, we don't want to have anything to do with that. We're just going to stay out of the way. Hopefully, we're going to make it through this thing. But really, what we see here is he says, look, the judgment's going to come. It's going to be like the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can read about that in Genesis 19. He also adds Adma and Zeboim, which were confederate nations. If you remember that battle where Lot was taken captive and Abraham went out to go get Lot, these other nations were all neighbor nations to Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're like, look, the judgment that came on Sodom and Gomorrah is going to come on the children of Israel. And guess what? The people understand what happened? Because they followed other gods, they didn't follow their God. God uprooted them in anger, in wrath, and he sent them out of the land. This is what happens when the covenant is abandoned. Now, I wanted to be able to close on verse 29 because it is the last verse of the chapter, of course. But this verse is so powerful and it kind of comes out of nowhere, right? You hear this, notice what it says. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. What a powerful end to this. Because notice, really what we're reminded is that there are hidden things about what is coming that God already knows. God knows what they are, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. See, you see that? So what, what it's saying is that it reminds, of course, of Isaiah 55, right? Verses eight and nine, where it says that my ways are higher than your ways, says the Lord, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, listen, there are things that God knows that he hasn't told us, and those hidden things belong to the Lord. And we trust in the goodness of God, and we trust the fact that God, in his infinite wisdom, keeps certain things to himself for whatever reason, and he's trustworthy with what he knows. But there are things that he has revealed to us, and those are ours to cherish. And what has God revealed to us, my friends? This book. From Genesis to Revelation, the testimony of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and Joshua, and all the judges, and Samuel, and Saul, and David, and Solomon, and all the kings, and all the prophets, all the way on into the story of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his apostles, and the apostle Paul, and all these things, these are for us and for our children. And my friends, we live in a day and age where you can have a Bible in whatever translation, but there is a famine of Bible living in our land. Jesus
1: is real. As people of God, we have a testimony. The world may not know all about him, but they know who he is. They have an idea of how his people should act. Pastor Daniel shared today about God's desires for the Israelites and how important it was for them to keep the covenant he was making with them. The world was looking to them to discover who these people were and more importantly, who the God they served
0: was. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life Give us a call here at Jesus Real Radio at 360-256-4655, or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us.
1: Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about home, specifically finding home in God. That word may leave a bad taste in your mouth because of past experiences, but there's something sweet and comforting waiting for you with the Lord. As you find rest in Him and refreshment from all the world throws at you, You'll find you want to be there more and more at home with your Heavenly Father. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Cause and Effect. Until then, may God bless.